the good news, the Dodgers start, uh, outscored the D-backs 27. Not so great news. They finished the weekend 2-2. Two and two. We'll get into the back end of the lineup with James Outman and Miguel Vargas. We'll talk about Alex Vesey and Bruce Dark Gratterall. And we'll talk about the bright spot of the Dodgers weekend, the starting pitching. That's what's on tap, so make sure to keep it locked on Dodgers. You are locked on Dodgers. Your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yo, 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 Dodger fans. Welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Pro Baseball GM. If you've ever thought about becoming an MLB GM and managing your baseball franchise, then this game is for you. To download the game, just visit ultimatebaseballgm.com or look it up on the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo Locked On. that's all caps, in the game. Ultimate Baseball GM. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. We are here every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, for about 30 minutes in the morning or whenever you want to listen, but we'll be ready for you by the morning. And you can find us wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube if you just search for Locked on Dodgers. And if you never want to miss a day because you know we're not going to, you can just subscribe. This is your first time listening to watching. I'm Vince Amperio. There's my co-host, Jeff Snyder. We're both here together after the first weekend of the MLB season, of the Dodgers season. Dodgers finished two and two. We're going to get into all that. But Jeff and I are both lifelong Dodger fans that cover the team, have been to Dodger Stadium plenty of times. We've also spent some time in the press box and locker room. So we're here to bring you a week and bring you about the Dodgers. And what that is, is uh, the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue. So with, uh, without further ado, let's talk about the Dodgers weekend. Jeff, uh, we can get into some initial thoughts and then we'll get into our actual little segments here. Yeah, I, I think my main thought is it's fun to have real baseball back. Uh, I enjoyed watching the games. It was fun to watch baseball with my family again. And uh, yeah, it, it was, you know, obviously some frustrating bits, but there was also some really fun bits. And uh, overall, it was any baseball, any weekend with baseball is better than weekend without baseball. Yeah, I don't know if it's well, obviously, you know, opening day brings feelings of baseball's back, but I think after the World Baseball Classic, having like that week lull where there was spring training games that like, I don't care about these spring training games at all. And then, you know, real baseball being back, being back at Dodger Stadium, even just watching baseball in general. Uh, MLB TV has that big inning now, which is basically like red zone for MLB, which is fun. Uh, you know, it'll take you to all the important parts of the game. So, yeah, baseball being back fun. Dodgers baseball, as we know, is fun, but uh, sometimes not so fun. Uh, let's start off with the fun stuff. The Dodgers starting pitchers had a really good opening series, culminated, uh, well, started by Julio and then went to Kershaw, or then went to May and then went to Kershaw and then finished with uh, Noah Syndergaard. Yeah, all the starting pitchers look good. They all went six innings. They all had quality starts. That's a good sign for a Diamondbacks team that, you know, maybe isn't quite there yet, but has a lot of young talent there. Yeah, I am interested to see how the Diamondbacks hit the rest of the season because I do think they're going to be a solid team. And the Dodgers held them to seven runs. And uh, what at least whew, at least three of those runs were allowed by the the bullpen. Uh, 
yeah, three of them were led by the bullpen. So the starting pitching average allowing one run a game. And uh, that that's going to do a lot better than two and two most of the time, especially with the Dodgers offense. So it was, yeah, it, it was really, really good pitching. And, and like I said, I, I have no idea what to think because my brain still thinks of the Diamondbacks as being bad at baseball. Uh, but I do think they're going to be pretty good this year. And so uh, they they did a pretty good job. And we did see finally on on Sunday how important it is to keep Corbin Carroll off the bases uh, because that dude can wreak havoc. And the, the D-backs first run scored because of Corbin Carroll's legs. And uh, that ended up being the difference. And so, you know, but other than that, like, yeah, I it's uh, the Dodgers pitched really well, especially the starting pitching. And that is very, very promising. Yeah, they were all efficient, and you know, obviously around the league, not everyone had great starting pitching. But I feel like this pitch timer is gonna help out some starting pitchers because they are gonna just you know kind of be up there throwing, maybe pitching to contact a little bit more, and maybe that efficiency does go up. So maybe in the you know those boomers that hate starting pitchers only going five innings and now hate the pitch timer. Maybe it'll have a reverse trend where now the oh starting pitchers are going you know six seven innings now because they don't have much time to think or or relax or whatever and they have to throw and for the most part if you're a, a you know quality caliber pitcher in the major leagues even your mistakes aren't going to be hit out all the time so you're going to get a lot of outs even with not your best stuff uh, not that I'm saying that's what we saw with the Dodgers because the Dodgers you know thoroughly looked well but they all did it a little bit differently. You know, Kershaw did rack up the strikeouts, had nine of them. You know, Syndergaard had six, I think, at the end. But, what, you know, you don't remember his outing from all oh, he had a lot of strikeouts. And then Dustin May was just a fishing and a lot of outs, uh, not via the strikeout, which is the one guy you would have thought was via the strikeout. So, yeah, and like I said, it's the first weekend. We don't know much what the Diamondbacks are. But you can only pitch to who your opponent is. And for the first time almost through the entire rotation, the Dodgers uh, rotation looked really good. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I do respect your commitment to respecting Rob Manfred and calling it the pitch timer. Uh, For me, it's the pitch clock. But uh, I I noticed, I don't know if you noticed this weekend, but it seemed like there were a lot of MLB sanctioned graphics going up on all the games, specifically talking about the pitch timer rules. It seemed like there was a memo sent out saying, make sure that we call this a pitch timer as much as possible to so people stop calling a pitch clock. Uh, But it's not going to work on me. That's how I found out about it. Uh, yeah, that's how I found out about it in a in an MLB meeting. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We'll see Michael Grove tonight, and then that'll complete the first five through. Oh well, I guess we we need to talk about that. Ryan Pepio went on the injured list with an oblique strain, so Michael Grove was on the opening day roster. He will be the Dodgers' fifth starter for the time being. Obliques are weird, so and we didn't hear about it really until literally the morning of opening day. So we and we haven't really heard anything more of how you know how extreme it is but if it's an oblique it's almost guaranteed two three weeks especially as a pitcher so uh we might not even see pepio before tony gonson comes back which is uh you know kind of sucks for him but yeah dave roberts said he expects michael grove to make two or three starts uh but you you don't really know if that is that when they expect pepio back or is that when they expect gonson back so yeah it's a bummer for pepio i mean in a way uh, and this is definitely a non-team way of looking at it. It's a lot better to get that oblique after you've been named the fifth starter so that you get uh, major league pay when you're on the injured list instead of minor league pay. Although the minor league pay is better now too. Uh, we probably didn't talk about that either. The the new CBA between major league baseball and the minor leaguers. Uh, so they, they all got raises, but it's still 
much better money. You know, Ryan Pepio, if he's on the, on the injured list for a month, he's going to make, you know, 100 and, 120 grand or so while he's on the injured list. So, you know, obviously that's good news for him, but uh, terrible news that he was on the opening day roster and then didn't get to be on the opening day roster. Uh, bummed for him. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see what Michael Grove can do. And hopefully at least the offense will have one of them boom games if Grove doesn't do great. Yeah, I, at least the good thing is with Dodgers starting pitching for the most part doing so well and with Andre Jackson picking up, you know, three innings on Saturday night, the bullpen's somewhat well rested. So if Grove, you know, he's not necessarily – he's stretched out, but we've seen him before. He's not the most efficient guy, and who knows how he's going to come out, in, you know, against the Rockies. But the bullpen is in good shape coming out of the weekend. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, back of the lineup is a little bit fun and interesting with the rookies, James Altman, Miguel Vargas, uh, you know, for, like I mentioned, first weekend, but that's all we can talk about. So we're going to get into that. But first, we're going to talk about Ultimate Baseball GM because that's who today's episode is brought to you by. Pro Baseball GM is the coolest game I've played in a while, on my phone at least. Uh, I'm a guy that likes, you know, the background of things, of, of building a team, Maybe not the finances so much, but you do got to deal with that. You know, building a team, draft, free agency, trades, all that kind of stuff. I don't, you know, I don't really play video games to actually play the games. I play them to build the team behind. And right here on my phone, I can do that with Ultimate Baseball GM. It's great. So go or Pro Baseball GM to go check it out. You got to do all those things. It's fun. You can create a league or a little, you know, cohort with your friends and play for fun play for money uh we have a little competition with lockdown mlb hosts and we're playing and seeing who could who could do the best team so you know you can do that with your friends so go check it out right now locked on dodgers listeners get 100 free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on that's the thought caps and the game store so make sure to check it out to download the game just visit probaseballgm.com scan the code right here if you're watching on youtube or look it up on the app stores that's probaseballgm.com Ultimate Baseball GM, start your dynasty today. All right, Jeff. So top of the lineup, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith all had a pretty good, solid weekend to, to varying degrees. You know, J.D. Martinez, Max Muncie had up and down games, but, you know, they each contributed in their own way at some point. And Miguel Rojas is down there in the ninth spot, and he's contributed. But we want to talk about the, the rookies, the young guys, Miguel Vargas, James Altman, because they had an element to the bottom of the lineup. Not necessarily that what's been missing in the last few years for the Dodgers, but that's different. Uh, a little bit of the unknown and a little bit of you know quality at-bats that maybe was missing from the bottom of the lineup the last few years uh, and even missing sometimes now. I mean, Chris Taylor didn't have a great weekend either. But, yeah, Miguel Vargas is, is, continues to be a walking machine. Uh, we saw him in spring. Even when he couldn't swing a bat, he was still drawing walks. Now he can swing a bat, but he's still drawing walks. James Altman, we, we talked about him on opening day, but he continued to have good at-bats throughout the weekend. So, yeah, Jeff, uh, uh, you know, like I said, it's not an element that we haven't seen before, but it's a little bit of an element of the unknown and a little bit of element of the surprise when things go good and, and eventually, you know, some days they won't go so good. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, Vargas walking a lot has been a lot of fun. Uh, Altman has shown really good command of the strike zone too. He still has plenty of swing and miss, but he's – when he swings and misses, it's generally at strikes for the most part. And yeah, I just found myself watching the games and getting excited when, you know, it's like, okay, always excited for Mookie and, and Freddie and Will. And then it's like, oh, JD Martinez, okay, I'm less excited right now. And 
Peralta, okay. And then, uh, oh, but we're almost to Outman of Vargas. And, uh, you know, it, it's it, it, it's a different thing. And both of them have, obviously, both of them are going to slump at some point this season. And, you know, Miguel Vargas probably isn't going to finish the this season with uh, whatever he has, uh, 769 on base percentage. Uh, I'll, I'll, if he finishes with a 769 on base percentage, I will eat my shoe. Uh, but he's good, and, and it's not like he's playing out of his head. It's it's good quality at bats, and good quality at bats don't always get the results you want, and that's why the on-base percentage is going to go down. But it is going to be a solid on-base percentage based on what we're seeing. That The guy has a good eye. He has good command of the strike zone, hits the ball hard when he does hit it, and, uh, and Outman's kind of the same thing. Uh, you know, Not quite the same bat-to-ball skills, but he's hitting the ball hard. He's, he's swinging at strikes, and – those two guys were on base a lot. They were starting things a lot. And, and with, you know, with them batting seventh and eighth, and, and then, you know, you got Rojas batting ninth and then Mookie coming up and even Rojas, you, he hasn't really done much yet, but you, you feel like he's got a chance to at least poke a base hit for you once in a while and turn the lineup over to get to Mookie with some runners on. It's, it's actually an exciting thing. You know, you always look, okay, well, who's coming up next inning. And I noticed that like, when I saw that it was Vargas and, and Outman coming up, I was excited, and that felt new to me. Yeah, and and like I said, it, I mean, it is new to us literally with, with Outman and Vargas, and I think it's you know partially excitement for these young guys seeing what they can do, knowing that the Dodgers have not a lot riding on them, but uh, you know a lot of the success that they're going to have this year is going to be based on how those guys do. Uh, the other element that didn't really come through this weekend and for the Dodgers, you know, with the new, the bases and the new rules with pickoffs and everything stolen base attempts were up through however many, you know, through four games now or four days of the baseball season compared to last year, compared to 2021 stolen bases are way up. The Dodgers weren't one of those teams that had them up like that. Uh, Outman did steal a base in the key situation. Uh, unfortunately, the Dodgers weren't able to drive them in, um, but I think with them, if they are getting on base, Vargas has some speed too, and and maybe this will come as the season goes on. But I do think, just in general, the Dodgers didn't quite take advantage of those new rules like some other teams did, and I think they can. I think they have the speed. I think they have time. They did get caught stealing a couple of times, so it's not like they weren't trying. Uh, and I don't. I hope that those two, you know, constantly don't deter them because uh, they were really close, and and you know, one of them was overturned. That both of it was. Them. Oh yeah, both of them were overturned. So. And, and, you know, it, it, that's the way it goes sometimes. But I feel like with those guys, too, like Outman getting on base and stealing second or Vargas getting on base, stealing second. And then, like I said, Miguel Vargas, we know he can poke a single, you know, at the very least. And now you, you got to run basically, you know, out of nowhere if you get a single or a walk and then a stolen base or whatever the case is. So, yeah, I'm excited to see them. The other part, you know, flip side is defensively. James Outman looks really smooth out there in center field. Um, you know, I'm sure that eventually that won't always look so smooth in like one play or two, but uh, he's looked really good. And Miguel Vargas has held his own, you know, a couple of times here and there doesn't look as smooth, but he's made pretty much all the plays you need to. He's been able to turn some double plays. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, all around those guys were, were had a pretty good opening weekend. Yeah, Vargas has looked excellent turning the double plays, and he's looked so it's kind of funny. It's it's really the the couple of grounders he's bobbled, he's recovered, he's gotten the out, he hasn't made an error. Um, and, but they were almost too easy. And it, it I it to my untrained eye or to my little league coaching eye, 
it looked like, okay, just charge it one step, you know, basically pick your hop instead of letting the hop pick you. And, and it looked like he just kind of hung back a little bit too much and, and didn't quite get the hop he wanted. And, uh, you know, that's something that will probably come with time with working with Miguel Rojas. Uh, you know, we, we see it all the time. You and I both coach kids in baseball and, there's a huge difference between the the infielders who go get the ball and the ones who wait for the ball to get to them, you know, and, and, uh, and even Mookie Betts had the same thing happen to him at second base. Uh, you know, a ball ate him up and he recovered and threw the guy out. And, and so, uh, but one thing I was really impressed with is the Dodgers turning a bunch of double plays. They had at least, at least four double plays this, this week, uh, maybe even more. And, uh, Mookie was involved and actually at, the, at least five, I can remember, uh, and uh, yeah, like you said, Outman looked great in center field, really smooth, really gets to the ball. E even when we saw on, uh, I guess it was probably Saturday's game with Trace Thompson in center field, uh, there was a, a play where uh, Gabriel Moreno, the, the Diamondbacks catcher, kind of caught Thompson off guard and tagged up and went to third on a flyout. And uh, like my thought was, I don't think there's any way that would happen with Outman because I noticed Outman is really, really conscientious about getting there early enough to get in position to to make the throw. And Thompson kind of got caught on his heels. I don't know if it was because it was the catcher on second or if he just didn't get a good enough read to get to where he wanted to be. But uh, yeah, I mean, Outman, I have been nothing but pleased with Outman's defense. Uh, basically, wait, he hasn't had any or very many super hard plays. But I mean, he, he's had plays where he's had to go get the ball. He's had couple where he's had to come in on it and i haven't seen anything drop that i thought oh bellinger would have had that so yeah and like i said some of those are plays that he's made look a little more effortless than maybe they were for like other center fielders which is what we were used to with cody bellinger a lot of the time so you know if that transition can remain seamless then you know, the dodgers are going to be in a good boat too i do wonder and you know obviously the dodgers turned double plays last year year before I wonder if that, you know, the change in the shift and and not, you know, is going to add some more double plays to maybe the Dodgers this year because they won't be able to shift so extremely. They won't have guys in awkward positions or at least not as awkward as they were in other years. And I wonder if that's going to add up. I know obviously we're going to see balls hit that would have been covered by the shift, would, you know, not be covered by the shift or still get through when guys are shaded. But um, that was one thing I noticed this week, you know, like, all those double plays, like, man, I don't remember the Dodgers really being, like, me remembering, like, oh, yeah, the Dodgers turned double plays. Yeah, yeah, I think there's it's huge. Like you said, being in position, it's like, oh, I am playing second base where a normal second baseman plays. There's a ground ball at shortstop. I know what I need to go do. And it's not I'm playing right behind second base, and I have to decide, am I going for the ball or am I running straight forward and then looking over my shoulder to get a throw for the double play? Yeah, it, it's uh, – I, I do think there's a lot to that, that with the more traditional positioning, we will see more traditional defensive plays. And one of those is the six, four, three double player, the four, six, three, or even we saw two, five, four threes the other day. And uh, yeah, it's just that those are fun. That's classic baseball. And, and if that brings back more of those, that'll be fun, especially if it's the Dodgers on defense and not on offense. Yeah, exactly. All right. Last part, we're going to talk about a couple bullpen decisions and bullpen play or pitchers that, that maybe didn't quite come through and make those decisions look a little bit more rough than they needed to be. First, we're going to talk about Built Bar because today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. And we've talked about Built Bar a lot. You guys know should know about Built Bar. But Built Bar, if you don't know, is the best tasting protein bar out there. 
They're all protein bars. They got a bunch of different flavors. They're all covered in 100% real chocolate. They're always adding flavors to keep up with the season or to add new flavors. They got those built puffs, which are a little bit more. Uh, those taste more like candy bars than the actual uh, built, like the protein ones or the bars. Either way, they have a bunch of great flavors. They got churro puffs. They got you know chocolate. They got I think they have a mint chocolate. They got some raspberry. They got different things. And there's multiple ways to get built bars. You can go to built.com and check them out and get some there. You can also visit your local Walmart or Sam's Club and head to the pharmacy section. They should have them there if they're not sold out. So built bars, I recommend them. Jeff recommends them. We both use them personally uh, and actually spend our own personal money on them. So go check out built bars. Go to built.com or go to Walmart or Sam's and get you some built bars right now. All right, Jeff, let's finish up. So Dodgers, like I mentioned, their starting pitchers went deep into every game, so there wasn't a lot of work for the bullpen, uh, especially one of the nights Andre Jackson uh, came in on Saturday after Kershaw and finished out that game. So the Dodgers didn't have to use any you know, relievers or, or in the sense of beyond Jackson. Uh, but there was a couple of guys, and the two games they did lose were in part not entirely on the bullpen, but the runs that were scored were on the bullpen that ended up being the winning runs. One of those nights was Alex Vesia. The other night was Bruce Dark Gratterall. Uh, you know, you can quibble with the decision from Dave Roberts because a lot of people are going to do that. And anytime a decision goes wrong, you know, that's an easy way out. But it's also a matter of guys getting the job done. Both of them didn't get it done. Uh, but I don't think, you know, obviously if one time is not an indictment on what their season's going to be. And based on what we've seen in these guys in the past, uh, you know, maybe it takes them a little while to get going. Yeah, for sure. I, I mentioned this in the YouTube short I recorded right after the game that Alex Vesey and Bruce Argraterol are key components of this bullpen. And so you you can't blame Dave Roberts for them coming in in key moments in a game because they are guys, if the Dodgers are going to be successful this year, it's going to be in part because Bruce Argraterol and Alex Vesey have pitched well in key situations. And uh, but like, like you kind of hinted at, both of those guys started kind of slow last year, you know, Gratterall started really slow. Uh, I mean, not started really slow. He he started good and then got bad. And to the point where he had a 481 ERA after the game on June 5th. And then that was through 22 games, 22 uh, appearances for him. And in his next 21 appearances, his ERA was 0.81. And uh, Vessia was kind of the same thing with his uh, his first 22 appearances also. His ERA was 363. And then his next 41 games, the rest of the season, his ERA was 146. And so, like, that doesn't mean that these guys have to start slow. And actually, both of them, they 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 both, their first handful of appearances were scoreless last year, and that's not the case this year. Uh, but both of them settled in last year and pitched really, really well in really important innings. And so... Nothing about this. I mean, for me, Vesia, it was like it was a bad pitch. Uh, platoon disadvantage, and Kyle Lewis has a lot of power, and Vesia hung him a pitch. And unfortunately, there was a guy on, and it was a day the offense only scored one run. And, and you know, two run homers happen sometimes. Uh, you, you've mentioned before, like, not every mistake that a, a major league pitcher makes gets hit over the wall. In fact, I would guess it's like 10% of the the bad pitches they make actually get hit for a home run. But when those one of those 10% happens, it, it looks pretty bad. Uh, and then Gratterall, it was just, he was, wasn't fooling anybody. 
uh, gave up four hits in that inning, I think. And the thing that stood out, our, our buddy Pat Dwyer sent us a DM after the game and uh, said, why didn't Gratterall throw a slider at all? And he didn't. It was all sinkers and, and cutters and a couple four-seamers, like uh, no slider to be found. And it's like, when you are getting hit that much, why aren't you mixing in some off speed? And so I, I don't know. And I, I didn't see anybody asking anybody about that after the game. So uh, I, I don't think we have an answer. Maybe he just didn't have a feel for it in the bullpen uh, before, before he came in. And so he wasn't comfortable throwing it, but uh, may, maybe, you know, he faced mostly lefties and maybe he doesn't like throwing it to lefties as much, but uh, he he's a guy with some platoon splits and uh, much better against righties than against lefties. And if he's going to start getting lefties out, he's going to need a pitch that can get lefties out. And uh, whether that's being willing to throw the slider to lefties or figuring out something else, but uh, he didn't have anything to get lefties out on Sunday. And uh, he was lucky to only allow the one run uh, The Mookie Betts made a great throw throughout a dude at home. And, uh, you know, it, it very well could have been worse. It also could have been better because the bunt that scored the bunt hit that scored the run, uh, you know, Gratterall should have fielded it. And that would have been the third out and they get out of that inning tied. Uh, McCarthy, was either out of the box or almost out of the box when he bunted the ball. Uh, somebody commented on that YouTube short and said, go watch it again. He was out of the box. He was standing on the plate. And uh, so I did. And he, his foot was definitely on the plate, but I didn't see an angle that could show for sure that the back of his foot wasn't still a little bit on the line. And that's all that uh, if any of your foot is on any of the batter's box line, you are legal. And uh, by that point, by the ninth inning or uh, was that top of the ninth, by the ninth inning, you've got uh, the batter's box lines have been pretty well worn off. So maybe there was nothing they could do, but, you know, a matter of inches. And so and a couple inches away from McCarthy being illegal, uh, an inch away from Gratterall fielding that ball and getting the third out. Uh, and, and who knows what happens then? Uh, maybe maybe Dave Roberts doesn't get his pinch hitter happy uh, or remembers that Austin Barnes shouldn't be playing any position with the word hitter in it, including pinch hitter. Um, but, uh, you know, baseball is a game of inches and when you only score one run, you're not going to win very many games. And the Dodgers had two games this weekend. They only scored one run and they lost both of them. Yeah. And the one thing with, um, Gratterall, I noticed it for sure. Vesia, I was, I don't remember where I was doing, but I don't think I watched, I was watching like intensely, but at least with Vesia, we know he he's one of the slower pitchers on the Dodgers. At least that's what it feels like every time he pitches. Um, it didn't feel like he was affected by the pitch clock, but, you know, you never know. But Gratterall, at the very least, you know, after the game, Dave Roberts and Will Smith both kind of, you know, said it was an uncharacteristic outing for him. And I didn't notice at the start of the inning, but once he had runners on, and when you have runners on, you have 20 seconds now, which is a little bit different than 15 seconds. And, you know, 20 seconds is still a long time if you – set up as soon as you get the ball back and which what he was doing. But Gratterall, I felt like was rushing a little bit because he wasn't, there was a couple of times where he didn't even come completely set where if the umpires were really like wanted to, they might've been able to call a balk on a couple of those pitches. And I wonder if he had, you know, that too much in his mind that, Oh, I got to, you know, hurry up and pitch. And, you know, obviously he's not going to make that excuse. We're not going to make that as an excuse, but it could be, you know, reason or it could be one of those things where he looks back and say like, you know what, look, I was throwing the ball with 12 seconds on the clock still. I still have time to, you know, relax, settle in, you know, whatever it is. 
um, get your footing. And we saw, you know, some pitchers talk about it over the weekend where, and even JT Romuto mentioned it as a catcher, like, you know, I didn't, I have time to catch my breath. And, you know, with, when the guy's on base, obviously you don't want a guy on base. When you do have a guy on base, you do have that extra time. And if you're not necessarily focused on the guy on base, you know, of him stealing or anything like that, which you didn't think Grado was too intent on that. You do have a little bit of extra time to kind of build yourself up and, and go at it. So, He'll figure it out if that was the thing. And obviously we hope he figures it out just in general. Uh, like I said, it was mo- mostly lack of command and then not having that other pitch to kind of, you know, at least give them, give the batters a different look doesn't help. Cause you know, we know Grado can throw 9,900, 102, whatever the case is, but if you're not hitting your spots and you're still throwing it right down the middle and there's not too much movement. It's pretty easy for a major league hitter to put the bat on it. Yeah, for sure. And you know, with, with that pitch clock, question if he was rushing or whatever like you said he he'll figure it out if it was and uh i don't know if you remember the point of the rip brenda story from last month but uh the the point of that story was sometimes uh an answer is helpful even if it's not the right answer just getting something out of your mind so even if it's like if if he can say okay i'm gonna take more time i'm gonna you know even if that's not wasn't the problem here if in his mind it fixes whatever the problem was maybe that fixes things so uh rip brenda again and uh yeah it's you know i think gratterall is going to be okay i i wish that he i hope he still has a slider that's if if gratterall doesn't throw a slider anymore i'm not convinced he's going to be okay uh but assuming this was a one-day thing that he wasn't throwing a slider uh i assume he'll be okay and same for vessi i think he's going to be okay they just gotta settle in and maybe they're not quite to to regular season form yet i mean gratterall i don't think he hit 100 I, I know he did hit 99, but there was a lot of 97s I noticed. And uh, 97 is still fast, but it's not Greta all fast. And, you know, he wasn't getting strikeouts at 102. Uh, he's definitely not going to get strikeouts at 97. Yeah. So, and like I said, it's one game, but that's all we have to go off of so far. And that's, uh, you know, what we're going to talk about. But either way, yep. we, we move. We move. Um, that's all we had on, on our tab. Jeff, you got anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I, I'm glad baseball's back. It's weird that, uh, you know, because I'm blacked out for Diamondbacks and Rockies, it's kind of weird for me that the first 10 games of the season are against the Diamondbacks and Rockies. Uh, but there's only 28 games combined instead of 38 against those two teams, which means only 18 blacked out games the rest of the year for me after these first 10. And obviously nothing's really blacked out because this is America. So I, I still been watching the games. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's much more convenient to watch when they're not playing the Rockies or D-backs. And uh they're going to Coors Field, everybody. Oh, no, they're, they're at, in L.A. That's right. Coors Field is later. So, good. We don't have to deal with fake baseball quite yet. So, uh, yeah, hopefully Michael Grove can shove today. Yeah. Dodgers are 2-0 and I'm there, and I'm there the next two nights. So, hopefully that bears out. Um, and if Lesson it does, learned. Then... Go to more games, Vince. Yeah, I, I, I definitely learned that on Sunday. Uh, we should start a Patreon just to pay for our gas money to go to Dodger games. People uh, hit us up on Patreon. I guess we got to set up a Patreon. Hit us up on Venmo. <laughs> yeah, I can get, I can go to the games, uh, but the gas does add up after all. But you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be there next two nights, so we'll see what. Try living six hundred and sixty-one miles from the stadium. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other part is game times, real quick. Where, when, what we say, what we say about the Dodgers when they lose is, if you're going to lose, do it under three hours. Both losses under three hours. Both wins also under three hours. Uh, one, some, a couple of them quite significantly. So I'm, I'm a fan of these games when they're ending at like 9:30 LA time or 
even 8.30 LA time on, on Saturday when they played. Saturday's game was awesome. Started an hour yeah. early, went two hours and 14 minutes. Like I had time to watch the end of WrestleMania and then watch two episodes of uh, Worst Cook in America. That's yeah. how early that game got over. Yeah, so we're, we're down for these quicker games. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy baseball strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Also, how you can find us, Locked On Dodgers, uh, wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Samperio. DMs are open on all those accounts if you need to get a hold of us. You can also get a hold of us via email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com or via voicemail text at 323-863-5625. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us. When you get in your car, if you're at home, tell your smart device play podcast, Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow.